Welcome to part two of our podcast, A Guide to Social Inflation. We pick up the conversation with Taylor Smith, founder and president of Sweet 200 Solutions, as he and Wes discuss specific ways we can mitigate the risk of social inflation. This is fantastic, Taylor. I really appreciate it. I literally have spent so much time researching this. I never heard that all in one spot. So um, you get well, well, you know, I mean, I, I guess, you know, Wes, in my view, I mean, look, it is a it is a topic that comes up at every chief claim officer summit that I'm fortunate enough to attend. It comes up at the claims college. It comes up at the litigation management institute at the symposium. I think that ultimately understanding those numbers and some of the drivers is the only way that we as an industry are going to tackle the problem in a meaningful way. I mean, I think to some degree, we run the, without understanding those numbers or trying to assemble them in one place or trying to correlate them, we run the risk of feeling victimized. Like, look where society is going or, you know, look how bad it is or can you believe it? Um, and I think that we actually have much, we have many with relatively few industry changes and the addition of some new technology, we have the power collectively as an industry to combat this. Um, you know, I don't know, I, it's commonly agreed that the plaintiff bar does a superb job of sharing information. It's commonly agreed they use technology in very innovative ways. It's commonly agreed that they're trying to apply very efficient ways of identifying which venue, which case type, which arguments are likely to inflame people who are, you know, the one-fifth of people who are already angry once a day. Um, and, um, and there's no reason that we can't mitigate that. You know, I mean, I, I, I probably got, you know, sort of 10 things that I think the industry should be doing. Um, and and they're, not, they're not dramatic, they're just disruptive, if that makes sense. So does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah, well, okay. Um, feed me those 10 things. Well, I, you know, when I think about it, only because I'm old, I tend to put everything in terms of people, process, or technology, right? I mean, I try to bucket sort of those, you know, things we could be doing. There seems to be general, in the people category, there seems to be agreement. You know, I one of the things we do at Sweet 200 Solutions is we do big industry surveys. And the industry has always been very gracious. Um, in providing their thoughts and opinions uh, in these surveys. There, there is a, I, we did the 2020 CLM National Litigation Management, uh, the 2019 CLM National Litigation Management Survey. We did the 2020 CLM uh, Defense Attorney uh, Survey. Um, and in the 2019 study, there was only one question of 163 questions where we had 100% unanimous agreement across roughly 85 chief claim officers, senior litigation executives. Um, and it was this, do you believe that some attorneys are better at closing files than other attorneys? <laughs> that was the only question we've ever asked where we got 100% agreement. And so the number one recommendation 
in the people section is we have to be better at, at, at an industry as an industry in identifying and picking the right attorney, the best attorney. Um, and it doesn't just mean generally, it's the right attorney for that case in the right venue in front of that judge, that plaintiff attorney uh, on this issue. And, and I'll talk more about that when it comes to technology, but that's probably number one, pick the right attorney. The second is, I think that as a claims industry, we have to acknowledge people's attitudes toward corporations generally. Um, there is a real risk in our world of selective bias. We assign cases to like-minded people. We work next to like-minded people. We have strong opinions about what's right and wrong and compensable and not compensable. And yet we have juries that are giving higher awards. We have pressure, societal pressures that say corporations aren't good. So we just have to acknowledge that bias in the industry and factor it into our decision-making. That's the second big people thing. And then the third thing is, um, on the people side, I just think that we must do a better job as an industry in understanding and mitigating sort of the core reptile brain tactics. Um, I cannot recall where these four ideas came from. I think it could have been the Sedgwick report. It was very well done and they resonated with me significantly. And there were four things it had to do during the management of the case with emphasizing the details of the case, not allowing this to become a community danger, community improvement issue, but focusing on the details, refocusing the case to this claimant and this case. It also focused on showing that whatever our insured's behavior was or the defendant's behavior was, it did not violate some kind of safety rule. If they did violate a safety rule, it got a new set of issues, but assuming that you can't let it get painted that way if there's ambiguity. And then lastly, this has to do more with trying cases than in fact managing them. It's forcing a juror or impartial viewer to put themselves in the shoes of the defendant of making it clear that if you were a defendant, you would want a logical, fair, impartial analysis of the situation. And it's sort of a, sort of a reverse uh, use of the uh, of the uh, reptile theory, because it's triggering certain parts of people's brains to say, if that were me, I would want X, I would want this to be a safe uh, environment. So th those are the three things in the people category. In the process category, this will come as no surprise to any claims organization out there or to you, obviously, Wes, but the first is early and thorough case evaluation. And the reason that I have it in the process bucket is that needs to be done as a process. You have to drive that in the organization as a process. Um, and you can't just rely on good people to do it earlier. Um, it really needs to be process driven. The second is to use mitigating anchoring tactics. So a big common thing in negotiation is setting initial expectations, often called anchoring. The defense needs to be, in my view, as good as the plaintiff bar in anchoring. Um, there are some states now that allow discovery uh, to identify openly whether the case has a third party funder on it. There aren't enough of these states now. Many, many jurisdictions don't allow that in discovery. But in those states that do, 
that becomes a very important part, at least in the view of many, uh, of discovery because it flushes out the true economic incentives of the case on the one hand and sort of exposes what's going on behind the scenes uh, on the other. And then asking the right questions on each case, which sounds pretty nebulous, but I, the way I, I feel that that's very much about focusing on what cases should not be tried under any circumstances. And that's sort of tied to this idea of how do you identify cases that are at risk for nuclear verdicts? Well, clearly, if it involves a big corporation, you wanna wake up and pay attention. If it involves a safety violation, you wanna pay double attention. Um, some, some, uh, some have said who are very well versed, much better versed in this topic than I am, have said if it involves alcohol, a safety violation in a big corporation, you better watch out. And so the idea of identifying actual criteria on cases um, is, I think, very important. And that becomes a process as well. Now, people in process, in my view, only gets better with technology. And in fact, you know, in, in my view, without technology, none of these, very few of these other things can be improved upon given where the industry is today. So anyway, those are the first two, Wes, people and process. Do you want me to highlight, I mean, the technology piece is sort of near and dear to my heart. I know it's near and dear to yours as well. Do you want me to run through some of the technology things as well? Well, let, let me give my two cents and then I, I will. And I probably, Please. you know, I might steal 50% of your thunder, but so, you know, what I've seen for successful claims executives, TPAs, is the same thing that you know I've seen as a CEO at Case Clyde. You got to have super talented people. You got you know it's all you got to bow down to them. Whatever they say goes. Get them everything they need, and just focus on the best people. The biggest problem that's going on in our industry is that we are badgering our adjusters and our attorneys with technology, and 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 we're not incentivizing them to do anything. So you know. Uh, the attorneys are, you know, fighting with, 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 you know, on bill review and they're not, when they get a win, they're not getting rewarded. They don't get a higher rate. They probably wind up getting a lower rate. Um, and, you know, after, because those cases sometimes take some, some uh, hours and then those, that means you're going to be get hit, hit more and more, you know, for those cases on your actual bill. The, what we need is we need to retain that talent in the defense bar and, and with our adjusters. We need to pay these people. They're all million dollar businesses by themselves. They're all, you know, when you include settlements, they're all pushing through millions of dollars a year. And we just, you know, pound them with process and, you know, diaries and different things. And then we don't empower them with anything. So we, we, we make technology something they have to do but then the technology doesn't do anything for them. And uh, that's why I've seen so many of the most talented defense attorneys go to the plaintiff side right. and they're promised a lot of money. And usually the promise is kept. So that leaves us with the, the, the less talented group. And the group that I'm talking to today is, you know, there's several folks that are, you know, there's a bunch of them that are talented, but if we don't get our act together on the, on the insurance side, the TPA side, and start rewarding those folks with, higher rates, because we get a bigger return on that rate, then, and, and less uh, overhead, 
then it's it's going to get a lot worse. It's not just going to be the numbers game. It's going to be, you know, you get the best versus the worst. Yes. And you're going to lose every time as soon as the as soon as they wake up. So it's, you know, that's kind of the combination of people and technology. But the adjusters and attorneys, like this is, you know, nine times out of 10, this is not a rewarding thing for them outside of the paycheck. And there's no reason for that. This is so fun. This is so challenging. This is so exciting. And it just uh, crushes me to see us just make their jobs more and more difficult each year. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure that that leads you to the technology conversation as well. Well, it does. I mean, in the sense that I think that most, I, I don't know that if you, if you went to a hundred senior claim officers or a hundred senior litigation officers, and you said, if I could, if I could predict for you more accurately, which files are likely to end up in litigation, which files are, uh, at the greatest risk of some kind of social inflation that you really have to watch out for. I, I'm going to say 100 people would say, sure, if you can prove it, you can do it. I want it. Uh, that is good for me. Um, I think if you said to um, 100 uh, of the same people, industry leaders, would you like to be measuring attorney performance on something other than billing efficiency, uh, you would also have great um, uh, support. Um, one of the questions we asked in the 2019 litigation management survey was a question like, do you feel your metrics help you identify which attorneys close files more effectively than other attorneys? And the number came back was very, very low. It's in the 30% range. Um, when we ask people, what do you think about the helpfulness of your litigation metrics today? Um, that was a lukewarm 55 out of 100. And the reason for that, in my view, is that we have, we have ended up thinking mostly about the bill and less about total case cost. And the reason that's challenging is that we've done that because it's the easiest thing to measure. We all now have, you know, many organizations have the ability to process, you know, leads-oriented, UTBMS task code-based uh, legal bills. And that's given us a wealth of information about billing. But the legal fees are somewhere between 15 and 25% of total case cost, right? And so that, that's ended up with this you know, really deep look at a narrow slice of the true costs. And in fact, when we talk about legal fees, while it is true, most organizations feel they're paying more per file for legal fees than they had been, that's not what we're talking about with social inflation. The real loss deterioration is coming from the non-billing side, coming from the indemnity side, from the compensation side. Um, and so I, you know, I think that we have to measure attorney performance based on different criteria than we're using today. Most organizations with an e-billing system today can tell you cycle time and average case cost. Possibly they've tried to merge in outcome data on what the case settled for, but it, that still remains the exception, not the rule. I think that in order to drive these changes, uh, you know, that I mentioned in people in process, we've got to be defining attorney performance on different criteria. And for many, for different claim organizations, that'll be different things. For some, it's going to be settlement amounts. For some, it's going to be settlement amounts versus what the attorney predicted the exposure would be. For others, it'll be something else. For me, maybe because of my process orientation, 
I want technology to tell me the likelihood of success on all the tools that the claims industry has available to it when it sits down to resolve a dispute. We are in the business of resolving disputes. That is what the claims organization does. The CLM, the, CLM, the Claims Litigation Management Alliance, led a very successful campaign for many years to change the name of what we do. Not to, instead of calling people claim consultants, call them resolution experts, because that is what we do. And every claim professional has a series of tools. Every defense attorney has a series of tools. It's not an extensive list. It's things like dispositive motions, the strategic use of experts. It's ADR tools, uh, mediation, arbitration, whatever it is. It's the use of statutory offers. It's the use of jury focus groups. It's the use of, these are just tools that can be applied. And I think one of the challenges is we don't have data now uh, to identify um, the likelihood of success. You know, will a, will, a, will, a, will a discretionary settlement conference be likely to be successful with that plaintiff attorney in front of that mediator in this menu, venue on this type of issue, uh, et cetera? And yet, when you think about, I mean, the, the white elephant in the room is this, right? The white elephant is that the defense bar has been shoveling that information to claims organizations for 25 years. They provide that information in every report they give to their uh, a carrier in the tripartite relationship to their cl client in a direct hire. They provide all that information. Who's the judge? Who's the mediator? What case type? What's the exposure? What's my next step? Likelihood of X, likelihood of Y. They shovel that information over. The white elephant in the room is that technology is failing the industry because in today's environment, claims organizations rely upon their claim staff to take all that valuable data to extract it from the reports and the emails and the you know, phone calls and whatever other mechanism, unstructured mechanism is being used. And they rely on them to do something with that data. And many claim systems don't have structured places to put that information. So the, the claims handler takes it and puts it in their claim notes. And so it resides in yet another unstructured environment that can't be reported on. Um, I mean, it's no secret, Wes, that the way you've constructed Case Glide, where, which is, a, I view to be essentially a structured data platform into which counsel provides the same information that they're providing to their clients now, but now in a structured way that can be reported on, is the type of technology that is going to be critical for the industry to move forward and combat social inflation and nuclear verdicts by doing the very precise things we talked about in the people in process category. That, that to me is the white elephant. You know, I, um, white, white elephant, the elephant in the room. Uh, because until we find a way, as you said, to make technology more helpful to the claims handler and not just be something else that they need to fill out I mean, I think your model is fantastic because 
you're not creating any more work, you're changing the way the work is being done. And council fills out that data, not the claims handler. Claims handler has no more work to do. They have less work to do because they don't have to cut it and paste it and put it into claim notes. They can focus on the strategic resolution of the file and they can now predict what's likely to be successful in sort of the quiver of tools that everyone has, the team has, the defense team has in front of them to try to get a resolution on the file. So anyway, that was a little bit of a rant about what I think the elephant in the room is. But to me, that's the way in which technology is used. And most importantly, in my view, the way in which the data points are captured uh, will drive change in this industry. You know, I, I think we are overwhelmed with terms like predictive, you know, predictive analytics and artificial intelligence and machine learning. We're overwhelmed with that. You know, I don't think you can offer a service now if you don't say that's happening. The reality is that even those tools rely on the quality of the data that's been captured. And in the litigation realm, so little of it has been captured historically. We have to change that piece first. So anyway, that's my rant on that whole that that whole uh, technology piece. Any reactions to that on your side? Yeah. First of all, I appreciate the kind words. You know, you've played a big role in us helping identify the problem and the solutions in the industry. It's funny because you know I started off this podcast kind of depressed. I'm hearing about the social inflation and the and the drivers. And it's, it sounded kind of like a tidal wave coming at me because I, you know, I don't know if we can solve for all of that, all those different trends, but then it really did feel like it was in our, you know, when you start talking about the solutions and what some of the, some of the companies are doing really did feel like the solutions were pretty attainable. It may, it, you know, this, as we all know, this stuff is slow moving it takes generations and, and years to catch up, uh, particularly in these large uh, industries like like insurance where you know we're still digitizing claims you know the claims process at a lot of these companies so it's hard to move on to litigation but it, it is interesting how litigation has become a prominent part of uh of of of, of the uh, discussion through social inflation and and and, and nuclear verdicts and they're in, it's in earnings calls now. I mean, people are starting to pay attention. And that does give me hope that you almost might be able, it, does, it seems very attainable, the stuff you talked about, um, whether it's with us or with, with, with other companies or with you know, new tools that come out, um, that, we, that these are problems that can be solved. We should, you know, we should with all, with all the opportunity and talent and resources that the industry has. I mean, and we, the first guest, Nick Lamparelli, got pissed off because he said there's billions of dollars sitting on a sideline at every top 30 carrier. It could be invested in this type of thing. I'm not going to get pissed off, but I understand Nick's point. But, but I think this is, might be the thing. We might wind up with social deflation, you know, in five or 10 years. We could, we, we, we could definitely take the uh, you know, we, we could definitely take this in our favor. There's a lot more open-mindedness, a lot more people understand, and, and we're getting some stuff off of our plate in claims organizations where we, we, we might be able to turn to this as the next lever for, for margin and for, for, for uh, success in, in these companies. It makes a huge difference on the combines. You know, the litigation uh, settlements are a big chunk of, of your combined ratios. 
they're going to turn to this. I have confidence. You made it sound very simple and straightforward that, that this could be, uh, you know, when it may not be tomorrow, but it's, you know, over the next few years. And, and we could be the first to do that. I think you raise a great point about the plaintiff's bar working together. The defense bar, the TPAs, the insurers, they do got to come to the table and say, we got to make some long-term investments. And we do need to be uh, sharing data, of course, anonymous, anonymously and in the aggregate, uh, you know, in ways that, that don't violate antitrust. But that's not really an issue uh, as long as it's done right. And, every, and a lot of companies know how to do it right. You do that and you probably could drive this right back down to where it was five years ago. So I feel better. I am nervous about social inflation, but I almost feel like it's one of those things that's going to make an industry that's been extremely resilient, uh, even more resilient in the future. So um, yeah, my, my hope was yeah. just be that it doesn't become that the concept, the term social inflation doesn't become something we complain about. It becomes something we address, right? To your point, right? It is addressable. And we shouldn't lose, in my mind, we shouldn't lose hope that we can address it. I, I've been fortunate enough to be asked to facilitate a discussion at an upcoming chief claim officer summit. And there'll be about 60 chief claim officers there. And we're going to spend time literally in the weeds, coming up with a list of criteria that says, is this case more likely, does it have attributes that lend itself to complicated nuclear verdict or social inflation pressures, right? And there's some of the things I mentioned before, was there alcohol, was it a big corporation? Was there a safety violation? There'll be 15 other things. It doesn't mean that that prediction will be perfect. It means there's a tool to allow claim professionals to think differently about that case. So it doesn't get away, so it doesn't get ignored, so it doesn't, it's not treated like every other case. Um, and those are that's just a very simple example of things we can do as an industry um, to better prepare ourselves and to stem off some of these societal pressures. I don't know that it'll drive it down, but at least we'll feel that we are controlling this. And insurance is the, you know, it is the law of large numbers. And so in that sense, uh, it's helpful to do those kinds of things. Um, well, we could talk about this all day. We probably will, but as far as the podcast goes, it's been a pleasure hearing you know your perspective. I, I just I see a huge evolution. There's there's just so much more info and data for people, uh, so much more than I expected. And what a great opportunity for those attorneys and adjusters with hundreds of files that feel this probably you know nerd out and go kind of get some of this information here and there. But what a great opportunity for them to see. Uh, you know, how, you know, what's going on in the industry. It's great for them, right? There's going to be bigger problems to solve. So many, uh, so many opportunities for entrepreneurs and for folks that want to be entrepreneurs. There's, there's, there's really not a whole lot of attention being paid to this. I could tell you from personal experience, there needs to be a lot more players in the game. Taylor, you brought up a lot of research some great reports on social inflation. You also brought up the litigation management studies. Uh, you brought up events that are upcoming. Before I wrap this up, what's the best way that the audience or somebody from the audience can reach out to you to find out more about uh, any of those things? Oh, well, you're nice to ask that. I, I'm, I'm so flattered to be on your podcast. I haven't gotten over that yet. The, uh, if, if people want to know, they can certainly look for me on LinkedIn. That's easy. If they want to go to our website, it's sweet, S-U-I-T-E, 200 solutions 
solutions.com suite200solutions.com and on the list of drop downs you can you can see if you've not heard of us before you can see a list of the more recent studies that we've done um, including one that we're just getting ready to do now on the impact of um, COVID-19 on the virtual aspects of litigation management, which is a topic that interests me very much. I mean, we, we are doing this podcast, not in person, but virtually, and people are practicing litigation virtually now, as they have been for the last 18 months. Our interest is in learning about what's going to stay, what's saving money, what's not saving money, what, which activities People are going to go right back to doing in person and which ones are going to keep doing virtually afterwards. So anyway, you're very nice to have a sweet200solutions.com is the easiest or, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. Always enjoy a good conversation. And thanks for letting me ramble on today. So thank you. Yeah, definitely get Taylor on LinkedIn because there's there's always something new. So definitely Taylor Smith on LinkedIn with Sweet 200. You can kind of stay up to date with, with the latest studies or latest events. So Taylor, thank you for sharing your story and your insights on social inflation, nuclear verdicts, and the whole rest of the uh, insurance industry. And so I really appreciate it. Let's do it again sometime soon. Love to. Thank you, Wes. Thank you. Thank you.